Hello and welcome back to the Off the Crossbar podcast with myself, Regan Walsh, and as ever, Brad Morris. And this week is a little different as there is no top flight football to look forward to this week, but we still have our usual chats. So before we get into that, make sure you like and subscribe, whether that you are listening to us on ACAST, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And make sure you follow us on Twitter for all the latest news and stories from around the world of football. So, Brad... It's a little different, like I said, just in that introduction. Um, let's start off with Everton this week because it's been a crazy week if you're a Toffees fan. Just a little bit, but then again, you could say from this season that it's a normal week for Everton fans. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, being one of the worst seasons in recent Premier League history, if not in Premier League history, uh, on the field, the results see them down in 16th place and... Uh, definitely been one of the worst sides and obviously recently they sacked manager or former manager now Rafa Benitez after a showing of poor results and their whole appointment of a replacement for Rafa is definitely one for the ages it's beginning to look like a complete farce in, in well realistically how is this it's not exactly cut and dry, no. is it? Their options are pretty limited when you look at them. Yeah. But it's also just the complete lack of incompetence that's being shown in the process by the looks of it. Yeah, it's just so weird to see what is happening with it. Um, like, normally you'd have like a list of four or five candidates you see and you would go, OK, I can understand why they've been linked with him. Uh, this man, this man, uh, whoever. But this time, it just seems like names are getting plucked out of nowhere that just make no sense as to why they're being linked with uh, the Aston um, Everton job. It's almost as if they're very cosy with a certain individual who has a who has their ear, well, if I get the wrong, has their mouth in the ear of a certain Farhad Mashiri. Mm. But that's all allegations of course yeah I mean it's just one of them where like I don't think I've seen a managerial like merry-go-round as crazy as what this Everton one is becoming yeah haven't there been like five maybe six names that have been talked about but now it feels like we're down to the final three Mm. Uh, so we'll start off with the main one who's currently at the club who took charge of their last uh, Premier League game, Duncan Ferguson. Now, we said, or I know I certainly said on the last few podcasts that he should be given the job until the end of the season if someone like a Wayne Rooney is unavailable until the summer. Always says, I'll take it if you'd let Duncan take the rest of this season. And it's one that would kind of make sense because he knows the club. He knows everyone at the team at the minute. He it's not like they have to learn really that much of a new system. Well, does the word system even come into the vocabulary of a Duncan Ferguson? If I if I watched that last game, it didn't seem like a team that was very tactically nous. It was just fight for the club. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, try not to do the fans a massive disservice by performing. Just look like you care. Go out and look like you care. Oh, 100%, that was the main thing there. And I think also 
it's uh, thinking of like can we do something that uh, doesn't look too shambolic and the pride for Everton fans which is their mainstay from that last game uh, for Duncan Ferguson uh, unfortunately obviously you know they weren't able to do because it was against your Aston Villa side uh, ultimately losing 1-0 and since that day the whole managerial search has just gone really strange because like we'll get onto this new manager now or potential new manager uh, Victor Pereira it it's it seems like such a bad appointment if this goes through yeah it's not even the fact that he's not well known in this country which is never a bad thing as we've seen mm-hmm. but you look at his credentials and boy did he list them <laughs> he listed mm. them alright and yeah and I've seen nothing to suggest he's good enough for uh, someone like Everton yeah it's like the reaction to Everton uh, from Everton fans linking him with this job is nearly as bad as when Rafa was getting initially linked with the Everton job like they just don't want him as manager like there just seems such a pure yeah. hatred I mean if we just have a look at his jobs he's been in and around management since the early 2000s but he's never lasted anywhere has he no like how many clubs was it like it was like a double figure number about, in like 10 years wasn't it yeah about 12 to 15 like so, some of the biggest clubs it's amazing biggest... he's not become the Watford manager yet to be honest Oh, 100% this way. I mean, give him uh, half a year and he will be managing there at this rate. But give him three months, they'll take it. Oh, yeah, that is definitely true. I mean, most recently uh, he was at Fenerbahce, which was literally not that long at all. Um, from July to December last year, uh, where he won 11 of the 25 games. So that's a win percentage of 44%. But it's never been a club that you make, do you think, or he's done a long enough stint to make you think, okay, I can see why Mashiri wants him. I can see like where this could take our club in the future. None of this is just making me think, okay, this is a sensible uh, appointment if they go through with it. If I have Mashiri's there, go, but he's won league titles in China. Come on. What are you worrying? I mean, it, that's nothing. I, I mean, it's just when you look further. It's, it's when you look further up and you see in big capital letters relegated with 1860 Munich and nearly killed the club entirely. Yeah, that's when the big red flags are thrown above from Everton fans as to we don't want this shit happening at our club. Just strokes our chin, current. strokes chin, and goes. It's eerily <laughs> similar. Yeah, what are we currently going through? we don't want this uh, kind of stuff to be happening to our club so it's one of them where you can understand why there is such disdain from uh, Everton fans towards uh, Victor Pereira yeah and in my weekly moment where I just go what? (laughs) what was that Mm. interview? honestly I have no fucking clue because I never ever ever seen a potential managerial candidate do an interview live on TV 
No. If anything, we we're not against it completely. It's nice to know more about this stuff. Just maybe wait until you're appointed. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like once he's got appointed, and he, if he wants to sit down with Jeff Shreves or some other reporter, fine, do what you want. Then you can say, right, this is my plans. Here's a little bit about me for those that don't know. Blah blah blah. And this is what I want to bring to the club, but don't do any interviews before you're actually appointed. Like, Jesus Christ. It's just like you're asking for all the bad uh, atmospheres and everything to go wrong when it possibly can go wrong. It'll be like, oh, we shouldn't have done this interview with Sky. And a lot of old school football fans will turn their nose up at the idea of that happening. Yeah, it's not that, again, I think I said it's not that he did it, it's also what he said as well. Like he mm. said, bigging himself up and saying, I've had the interview and I'm, yeah, I don't know why fans are protesting, saying, writing things. Well, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. It's like, in that situation, just stay quiet. Mm. It's one of them where, like, I wouldn't be doing anything to the press until like you said I've officially got the job because you're just going to anger fans even more saying oh I don't know why they're upset doing this that and the other no and also if I also forget he didn't paint the club in the best light either so like, surely they cannot hire him after all of that yeah like it's just but they've not ruled him out <laughs> yeah I mean as a time of recording there is uh, set to be like a the final round of interviews between himself, Duncan Ferguson and uh, Frank Lampard who we can get onto in a minute or two um, obviously the front, because first they're having their non-televised debate in front of the Everton board where it's like Prime Minister's debate that you see in election times so mm. you've just got Frank Lampard on one desk, Pereira at another and then just Duncan Ferguson in the corner just waving his hand like I'm here boss Honestly, I genuinely think if the three were all in one room, Duncan Ferguson would just fucking headbutt that Vitor Pereira fella. And just knock some <laughs> sense into him. Yes, he would. <laughs> he genuinely would, like, shut up, you idiot. Uh, but yeah, we'll go on to Frank Lampard now. Um, he's obviously been out of the job a little over a year since uh, he was sacked as Chelsea manager. And kind of understandable why he's been linked with that job but at the same time is he ready for another big job like that just yet we know Frank Lampard is what Eddie Howe was after he left Bournemouth he's just going to get linked with every single job that comes available until he actually gets given it yeah and for me personally, I'm looking at this uh, as an Everton th- fan and thinking, what is Frank Lampard going to bring to us that's going to make us that top 10 side and potentially competing for these European uh, places? It's There's nothing that makes me go, you know what, this is why we should be hiring Frank. And I may be proven wrong if he was to get hired and... Can I play the devil's advocate then and maybe give a reason? Go on. Because Frank Lampard, I come at with the same mentality that Steven Gerrard potentially has. But he has the winning mentality. 
and has had the success. Did he do a bad job at Chelsea? Not technically, because when there was no transfer money to spend, he looked at their academy products and he built a top four team. Yeah, but let's take that out of context then and compare the two academies because Everton's academy is not has but never been did, as yeah. known as well built as uh, Cobham's lot have. La Cobham, you mean? <laughs> yes. What I was going to get to the point is that, that obviously contradicts, but what Everton need is someone who's going to help them get out of a relegation battle. That having Lampard's winning mentality is fine, but can he deal with a club that's in a bit of a situation right now? Well, yeah, because I mean, he's never been in that situation himself as a player. Obviously, with all his time at Manchester, uh, Chelsea, then the eighteen months he spent at Chelsea, and then over in the States, that's a whole completely different ball game. And even as a manager, I mean, Derby weren't in the situation that they are in now under Wayne Rooney with Frank Lampard because of what he, he got to the playoffs in his uh, time there. Or was he there two seasons and he missed out one season and got there? Or was it he got in the yes, playoffs but, see, if, if we end up going into this conversation, we'll be going into the one that I always like to talk about again. <laughs> so for but me, if you want me to talk about it, I'll happily go there again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we'll stay clear of it. Well, um, yeah, I just I feel like they could do better appointments out of these if these really are the free best men you think could do this job at this time I think they need to have a hard look at themselves because I don't think any of them three are going to give anyone that wow factor of um, these look like they can guide Everton away from this relegation battle and as far up the table as possible No, not for me at least but we don't know enough of Vito Pereira on field wise Lampard, who knows it could work. Duncan Ferguson, I don't see enough tactically to help them mm. out. Yeah. It's... What other options are there? They'll come to that as well. There are just not really many options. And if yeah. we're, we're talking relegation experts. They've already gone down that mill. Big Sam was their manager years ago. Yeah, and that didn't work out at all, did it? If only they went for Roy Hodgson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he has been taken up, which we can get to in a second. But if we just look at for three months at least, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you just have a look at the other list that uh, again Sky Bet have got. So they've got them three as their three favourites, and then they've got Nico Kovac. Okay, understandable. Got a bit more managerial pedigree that we know of than uh, them three. Rooney, I, he's not going to leave Derby. Fabio Cannavaro again that's just a wisey on the list I was looking for the list I was going are you sure this isn't the list for the FIFA 22 icons not the Everton mm. manager well yeah and uh, you got Nuno Espirito Santo on there Roberto Martinez uh, Nuno possibly would kind of make more sense uh, I'm uh, I didn't think about Nuno yeah, maybe he said he wants a bit of time off before jumping back into management. Uh, I'm not going to go through the. So doing list the Tottenham job will do that to you. Yeah, I don't want to go through the four list because we'll be here until uh, 
this time next year when they actually are looking for another new manager. We'll, we'll uh, be here that long discussing the list that Roy Hodgson will have now been sacked by as Watford manager. And given the Everton job. Uh, the final couple of names they've got are Roberto Martinez. He's not going to leave his job at the minute. And Claudio Ranieri. Again, I don't think he'll jump back into management that soon. They have just now they've just added Claudio Ranieri's name on there for bands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting situation. Obviously, as a time of recording, there has been, like we said, no official appointment from Farhad Mashiri and the rest of the Everton board as to who will take over from Rafa Benitez. Uh, but definitely want to keep an eye out on and uh, we'll update you if and when any new news comes out regarding that situation. Right, um, on to, like we said, we briefly mentioned a team that has actually appointed a new manager now, and Watford, uh, they have announced that Roy Hodgson uh, will take the job for the remainder of this season in a battle to keep the Hornets up. Well, well sorry, uh, sorry, I have to come in with the breaking news because apparently now he has actually been sacked after the owners saw one of the teams in a training drill lose. <laughs> I mean... That- Honestly, that wouldn't surprise me with uh, the Potsoy family. No. It's, is he sensible? I think it's sensible. You know, Roy Hudson did well to keep Palace in a pretty good position for as long as he did. Mm. Like He's known as... Well, certainly here in England, uh, as his time as manager, he's known as that like relegation battle uh, fighter-type manager and does well. I mean, obviously, we know what he did, like you said, with Palace... West Brom previously, he did uh, good in his short time there. Fulham as well, he's done well in the past. So he knows what it means to like put up a proper fight in terms of Premier League uh, status. And I think he could do a decent job there. I, I'm not too sure whether they keep him up. Obviously, we mentioned like previously the teams around them, Newcastle, Burnley... Norwich and obviously we've got to include Everton in this conversation now it's it's a hard task to say whether he keeps them up but he will go in for Gordon's players and definitely trying to keep this team up hmm. more fun for us to start covering it yes um, and more so fun for Ben Foster because he's going to have a lot of fun having Roy Hodgson in his vlogs yes so uh, Watford's He's going for the over seventy demo now. Because of that. <laughs> I mean, that's if he's back in the match day squad anytime soon again after he missed out the last one with illness. But anyway, less about Ben Foster and his vlogs. He can't say COVID. <laughs> was it announced as COVID? I'm pretty sure he said it was COVID. I thought they just said an illness. I swear he said it in a tweet before the game that he missed. No, oh, well, he may have done. I didn't see it. Um, so, first up for Roy Hodgson's side uh, is a game on the 8th of February as they travel to West Ham. Yeah, it's an evening kickoff there. Obviously, it's a midweek game. Not the easiest of starts for Roy Hodgson because obviously West Ham, one of the better teams in the Premier League this season, is currently sitting in fifth place. Uh, but then we have a look at the rest of the schedule, like the next couple of games after that. And again, it's not really an easy one. So, oh no, sorry, they've got a game in between because they're out of the FA Cup. So they've played 
Burnley on the 5th of February, which is next weekend. Uh, then they play West Ham midweek. Then uh, the rest of February is they host Brighton, travel to Aston Villa, and then travel to Manchester United. Yeah, some nice tests, really. Mm. In there, Philip, if they can be as defensively solid as a lot of Roy Hodgson teams can, then they may nick a point with one of those, or two of those. Mm. I think the games against Burnley next weekend and Brighton, they've got to really see as a six pointers that they've got to try and pick up uh, points there, or hope that uh, the other teams around them are also continuing to drop points, and then games against West Ham, Aston Villa and Manchester United I think if you can get maybe three or four points out of them games uh, maybe like one win and a draw I think then you can say okay this is how the rest of this season could potentially play out for Roy Hodgson's side Yeah but that's not accounting for how other teams also do around them Yeah yeah Obviously, I'm just saying like how it could potentially uh, look out for them. For I, I think Watford fans would take that, given the run. Yeah, and I don't think it's like some may say, "Oh, why have they gone for an English manager?" They don't tend to go for an English manager, and it seemed prior to this appointment that Roy Hodgson had realistically like retired without retiring from management. Like when he left Palestine, the summer just gone. It seemed to be like that was his last managerial job and he'd be taking a step away from football. Yeah, but you can never keep the owl away. <laughs> uh, I knew he's going to do something out of it. I always find funny with Watford appointments. It's more that they don't go for specifics. They will just go for anyone. You feel for the players because it's learning a different style every three months. Mm. Look at you. It must be so tiring as a player to try and figure out like who the manager is going to be next and how we can implement that style of play. I know we kind of joke about saying it like every three months that they go through a manager, but they do tend to go through about two to three each time they're in the Premier League. And you can't learn a manager's tactics and style of play that quickly. Like it does take a bit no, of time to. Yeah, yeah. It takes time, and the second they've done it, the guy's gone. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Should we move on? Go on. Because we've, we've, well, we've spoken managerial appointments enough, but we don't really seem to have been covering the January transfer window all that much. I mean, it, we're into the last few days now, and it's, it's Premier League-wise, it hasn't been that good as it has been. Like in the past, for instance. Yeah, but I guess uh, that's something for us to go over on Monday when we do a go into extra time mm-hmm. on it all. Yeah, but I'm just going to go through some names now that have come up in the last few days. Uh, I want your take on some of these. Okay, that's fine. Well, you got four okay, of us. So, so as you've se- as you've seen this morning, the big one is Luis Diaz is set to move to Liverpool. I mean, the bid has come in, and it looks like it could be accepted. Yeah, so obviously it seems to be another player that Spurs are missing out on. Um, He was heavily linked with them over the last seven to ten days and it looked like he could move from Porto to Spurs and then all of a sudden Liverpool have came out of nowhere. Um, 
it's not really, I would say, a signing I was expecting Jurgen Klopp's side to really make. Um, I mean, but it's a great deal for them. Uh, Porto, 40 million plus 25 in bonuses. <sighs> I mean, you can't complain if you're Porto looking at that, potentially like 65 million for him. 25-year-old from uh, Colombia. He's not half bad. Yeah, and he also, because he's quite versatile up front, he pretty much plays all over. Mm. Is he the already made replacement for one of the holy trinity that could potentially leave? I think it could be, and I think that's why they're moving for him now in this January window, so he can have like six months embedded into a team, and he knows the players come next season should one of them front free leave. Um, if Who I was do you think he's more likely to replace? I would say Firmino. Yeah. Because Diaz, I think, can play sort of like false nine. Mm. I think he's one of them where he's, a, like you say, very versatile in that forward position, over wing, through the middle, or even uh, just behind the front three. So it's one of them where I think it's going to be Firmino that will suffer in the long term. Yeah, sounds like the end is coming a bit for his Liverpool career. Well, maybe not the end, just his like starting place. Because mm. we've already seen it like, sort of disappear with Jota having a bit of good form. Yeah. But moving from forward to midfielders, because I now want to talk Newcastle breaking the bank for Bruno Gimarez. Is that how you say it? Uh, yeah, I think it's Gimarez or Guimarez. Um, Yeah, it's... They're finally getting a, a signing in that's worth talking about. I mean, obviously they got him Trippier and Chris Wood previously, but they're not really players that you think, okay, these could make Newcastle look like a proper decent Premier League side. No offence to either of them, but they're just not really. Yeah, but let's be order. honest. Let's be honest. Chris Wood, normal sounding English name, even though he's from New Zealand. Hmm. Bruno Gimarez just sounds like a world class superstar <laughs> yeah um, it's definitely a signing that I think it could light up Newcastle's uh, team and uh, they, if they're going to treat this man like he's prime Zidane oh 100% and I think he could have a great effect on that team and it's going to be quite hard for him to look bad in this uh, Newcastle team like considering the other yeah. midfielders around him do you know the midfield that they have been playing the most this season I think it's Shelby Longstaff I don't know if Willock's playing consistently but it's no. pretty much a similar defence to that they had when they were in the championship last Jesus Christ that isn't something you want to be seeing um I think, well, he can just come in and replace anyone. He's definitely got the talent. I mean, he was linked heavily. I, I, say, I have to say, a midfielder of Bruno Gimenez and John Joe Shelby scares me. Uh, hopefully not for all the good reasons, I think, for all the bad reasons. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was another one that was touted with a Premier League move before he moved from Atletico Paranaense to Lyon uh, in the summer of 2020. Um it's a We've decent thing. Arsenal leaked for the whole window. What happened mm. there? 
Well, I mean, Arsenal are another club that can't seem to get deals over the line in terms of incomings. It appears to be in North London, I think, because obviously so Spurs apparently originally bidded for Luis Diaz as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think... The two sides are just competing to see which is the best banter at this point. I think Spurs definitely take that crown at this minute in time. I don't know, we need something for all of our figure episode six. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, if we... But, uh, actually, that, that's a good segue to go for the next one, because he's ca- are we going to get a scene of Callum Chambers in the office saying he wants out and goes to the mighty Aston Villa? Yeah, I mean, where, where on earth did this transfer come from? This is the Danny Ings one all over again. It really is. Like, no one was reporting it. There's no rumours about it. And then you look and he signed a three and a half year deal with Aston Villa out of nowhere. Who would have thought that Aston Villa Football Club was the real Chamber of Secrets? <sighs> I fucking hate you for that joke. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, I bloody hate you. i tell you what was weird, though. Um, I've been playing a bit of Football Manager 22 recently, and I started to do a new save the other day. Uh, I wasn't managing any particular club, and then Gerard got the sack at uh, Aston Villa, so I was like, oh, God, then I'll take over Villa, look at him. And then Callum Chambers was already at the club, like they signed him the summer, just gone. And I was like, wait, why have Aston Villa just signed? Like, are they playing Football Manager in real life? This just signed Callum Chambers. What? What you realise, we're playing 2014 career mode. <laughs> you really That's are. That's what we're doing. Coutinho, uh, Robin Olsen in there, a young Scottish defender that nobody's heard of. Not heard of him yet. <laughs> and now Callum Chambers, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, strange signing. I'd like to think that we're not doing either because we haven't got that defensive midfield signing that I'm hoping we get. <sighs> um... Don't know. With time running out, there's been nothing more on uh, Rodrigo Bentancourt other than the fact that uh, last night it came out that apparently you had put in a 20 million euro bid plus bonuses to sign Bentancourt, and obviously Juve want more than that. Um, there was little links with Eves Basuma as well. Nothing seemed to have materialised or gone any further than just rumours there. Yeah, the whole thing's sort of dried a little bit. It was hot enough like earlier in the week. It's sort of, I don't know, it's not going anywhere, which is disturbing. I think you're very haggling. Mm. So in, in that situation, if we just have a look, what, we've got three days left at the transfer window now. Do you realistically think that you'll get someone in that position? I'd like to think we will. Look, we could see our club can do transfer business just completely on the radar with no journalist having a clue whatsoever mm. so how do I know we're not discussing with Zakaria or Kamara's agents well yeah I mean that's definitely you think you could be working on a deal and like you said with these but last... Don didn't even get this well no one got this let alone Don Fabrizio but it, yeah it's going to be interesting to see if he's kind of fraudulent in my mind <laughs> Oh, so he's not. I mean, I'm sorry. It, I, I, I love you for Ritzy. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not even bad if you don't, because I think that team's good enough to move up the table for the rest of this season and put in a good. So fight you ball. say that, but look, it, with this week we've seen a very mixed reaction towards Douglas Louise because there's been the rumours that a bid was put in for him as well. Now, Douglas Louise currently plays as the number six. 
Mm. He's not really a number six. No. That's not his best position. He is very much... He's, he's a lot better when he is a bit more advanced. And mm. we see that he can be quite creative. He's not a number six. No. And it kind of looks bad on him. Mm. I mean, uh, there's one where it said Arsenal had put in a bid for him and then there's like another unnamed Premier League club had made an offer for him. Yeah, I can't think of that. I can't think of the unnamed club. Maybe Newcastle? Would they have been brave enough to have done that? Potentially. I mean, they're the only two I could think of. I genuinely don't know who else would put in a bid. But then there was some news... And I don't know if it's a weird thing that I'm looking at a £30 million bid for him and going... Oh, that's tempting. I, I, I wouldn't reject that. I would seriously take that under strong consideration. You see, I sort of thought of that at first, but then I go, well, actually, we want a team that has good, strong depth. Mm. So even if he has to be like a, the first sub that comes off, that's fine. We need quality and depth at this point if we're serious about challenging. For what? Europe, just top six like obviously I'm not thinking titles anytime soon but we need to be challenging top six we've got a manager who's going to have that ambition yeah um, I don't think you'll get there this season but you definitely need the start of the season was too bad for us to get there at this point Uh, but I think in the future that will come like Gerard has a a long window rather than this January window because it's always hard to get deals done in January because no team wants to sell a player because obviously they're wanting to have enough squad depth themselves to see out the remainder of the season. But uh, yeah. I'm looking at this as a neutral. I think if I think he could have left if it was a bit more, maybe 35 to 40 million enough, I think he probably would oh, have just left. 40 million, and I think every fan would be like, oh, God, we actually might have to take that. Because I look at the options out there, you go, I could get a replacement for 40 million. Mm. Like Eve Basuma. Yeah. Just go all in. Well, I mean, there is a lot of other situations and players that you could look at, not necessarily, not just Eve Basuma. Oh, no, yeah, there's. Yeah. But we've shown that we are pretty good, I guess. The recruit was, look, we had 100 million, and look what we've got with it. Yeah. And I'm going to say. It's... We, we sold. It's funny when clubs start chatting Jack Grish left because you're shit. Jack Grealish leaving us that's actually been the best thing that could have happened we've gone from being this supposed one man team to quality all around us yeah and you're not like you say you're not heavily reliant on just that one player now and it's what obviously the results aren't working out for you at the minute you're in what 13th 14th place in the table it's Um, around then but I look at the next lot of fixtures and they're all around the teams that are technically around us or below us so it's a chance to go on a run mm. it's going to be very interesting to see what uh, Aston Villa can do over this next month and if they can get that uh, hold and midfielder in yeah, let's move on from talking Villa now we do that enough <laughs> yeah. the last transfer that I won in depth opinions on because how the hell can we not discuss Adava Traore going back to Barcelona to fulfil his destiny. What destiny is that? The destiny to become their next hero, obviously. They will not be able to resist his muscle. <laughs> Sounds a bit weird out of context. <laughs> Clip that. 
<laughs> um, I mean, good move for him. He's going back to the club where his career started at. Um, no idea why Barcelona are making this signing. I, I don't seem against it. Who have they got in terms of the right wing that is good enough? If they're interested in selling Dembele, they don't have anyone then, really, when you look at it. I'm sure Ferran Torres out there. No, but I think they look at Ferran Torres as more of a central option. Yeah. Because well, he plays there for Spain, doesn't he? Mm. I just... Adam like, he's never... like. Oh, no, obviously, we've seen a Dalvatrio reaction. What are Barcelona doing? Yeah, I don't know. Like, he, He's not good. He's not a good player. All he's got is the strength and speed. He can't cross. He can't finish. He's absolutely useless. You say he's useless, but I've always said that he needs the right manager with him to just instill to him. Like, work on your finishing. And you think Xavi can do that? Who knows? Like, would people have said the same thing of Pep Guardiola? I, d- I don't even think Pep could. Like, I genuinely don't think he can change his game that much to become this so-called better player. Well, that, that's why you, there is that, but that's why you have to play to his strengths as well to get the best out of him. Mm. And you know, look at the defending in Spain. I think he could have a pretty good time. Yeah, I think just the, maybe the, I'll be generous. Maybe, but it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Uh, in the final third and how well he can adapt to life in Spain yeah, it's an interesting one uh, I just want to name two more names and I'll only get like a small bit from you mm-hmm. on this because I guess while we're sticking with Barcelona is Osman Dembele going to leave the club by the end of the window no just like <laughs> I, I genuinely think he stays I don't think any club will want to pay his money Elway's wages at this stage of the window, and yeah, I, I genuinely not just... even if Elche and Gito try and make it obvious that PSG want him. I mean, let's be honest, that was probably the biggest <laughs> staged or fake thing you could ever fucking see. Still, bad great telly though. <laughs> oh yeah, and absolute uh, comi- comedicness from Elche and Guito. But yeah, I don't. Think... How did we not know about Elche and Guito before last year? I mean, I've seen them a bit of them in the past, but it was one of them where I just I put them in the same column as Sky Sports. Of, they're just the Spanish Sky Sports of just blurting out rubbish. But at least it's funny rubbish. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah uh, last player. This is closer to your club, Manchester United. Is Jesse Lingard leaving this window? No. Again, I think United are asking too much for a player that's got what six months left on his contract. I mean, the reports coming out that. Uh, United want like a million pound a week and then an extra like what was it eight to ten million if Newcastle stayed up it was something ridiculous like that that sounds like United being ourselves again like it it was something ridiculous like they wanted his way I thought Edward left (laughs) not just yet he's still there uh, for another that explains everything so yeah apparently they wanted like a million a week so much if or a million a month, uh, so much if Newcastle stayed up and obviously his full wage is being uh, paid and it's like I can understand you wanting some money to say right, for me 15 to 20 million and he's yours I wouldn't even pay that much for him no but like that is the max I would really, be so asking no for. one's paying more than 10 million 
Lingard at this current time. Yeah, for, like I said, a player that's got six months left on his contract. We've just got Callum. I'm going to put this to example. Aston Villa just got Callum Chambers for free. When Reportedly. He has six left. Why aren't. I firmly believe it. There was enough people reporting it. Mm. Until like, I've seen it from. Why are Man United playing it? <laughs> Again, Edward Wood's still there, so I don't know. Well, they're missing out, really. Mm. Uh, that's pretty much it. Transfer news. But obviously, we said we'll have the going to extra time podcast on Monday where we discuss the moves of the window. Who has had the best window? Who's sucked, basically? I mean, it's been an extremely quiet window here in England in terms of incomings, so let's be honest. Then we'll only have a very small amount of things to talk about. Yes. Right, let's head over to the African Cup of Nations now because this past week has seen the round of 16 take place and, yeah, chaos. In uh, so, yeah. Africa, we pretty much covered half of it on Monday when it took place. Yeah, uh, so we did the game. We didn't do the Comoros game, did we? We spoke pre-match about it, but we didn't speak afterwards because we said about that wasn't it them that had their whole goalkeeping situation. Yeah, and uh, then it came out literally just as the podcast went out that they actually may be able to play, him, but then they didn't. Yeah, they weren't get able. To, to, yeah, in but, the end. Because they had to have like a, I think still had to quarantine for a couple of days, so that's why he wasn't able to play in that game. Uh, unfortunately, they ended up losing. Well, thank two... God, because the site that we got was fantastic. Mm. They ended up losing two one to Cameroon. Uh, played well, you might as well say the whole game with ten players after Najim Abdu got sent off after seven minutes, and then just the sight of seeing the back of the player's shirt who was in goal. Um, Shaka Alderher was just absolutely incredible to see. It was a nice double save, wasn't it? Hmm. And then the fact that, like, at one point you see him with his hands behind his back, like he's playing his actual uh, <laughs> defensive position. It was just ah. Oh. Man forgot that he was allowed to use his hands in that moment, and just uh, he just summed up peak African uh, Cup of Nations, honestly. Um. And then I see. I think the tournament peaked when they actually then went and scored one of the goals of the tournament. Oh yeah, like it just ridiculousness. And what a free kick it was! Um, elsewhere, it was. A, well, we say all that, and then the next game went hold my beer and gave one even better. Yeah, uh, Senegal beat Cape Verde two uh, 0 Sadio Mane scored, and Bamba Dieng scored an absolute uh, world um, Kate Verdi did play most of the game with 10 players though as they did have two players sent off uh, Patrick in the first half and then Rosinha on the hour mark um, Setting Amane though he did score that goal and then he had been involved in uh, like coming together so he was concussed before that and then got substituted like a few minutes after which is just silly to see like he was able to carry on Silly to say though, but Mad proved how good he was. He still scored. Well, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have to have uh, a full sight of vision and full consciousness to be able to score a goal, which is quite good actually. But obviously, uh, it's good to see. Maybe more damning on the defence, to be honest. But uh... again, peak African Cup of Nations. Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, yeah, so then we had Morocco play Malawi. Um, Morocco won two one. Yusuf El N Nasir and Ashraf Hakimi with the goals for Morocco. And then on Wednesday, both of the games finished nil nil uh, in regular time. So 
we had to go all the way to penalties. Egypt beating uh, Ivory Coast 5-4 with Eric Bailly missing the penalty for uh, the Ivory Coast, which not good for him. But It's always the most nonchalant penalties that miss as well. He took a one step and then the keeper got a save onto the bar. Yeah, and then... I'd see people say it was all the worst penalties ever. It wasn't. No. He was just too calm in the moment. Yeah, and then Mo Salah scored the decisive... Just whack it. <laughs> Always. Uh, Wacky with placement. Mm-hmm. And Salah scored the decisive penalty to send Egypt through to the quarterfinals. And then the final game between Mali and Equatorial Guinea, again, one that went quite uh, a while because both teams had missed two penalties before it came down to the crucial sets where Santiago and Aime scored uh, Equatorial Guinea's main penalty and then Flyer Sacco missed for Equatorial Guinea. So... Uh, no, sorry, missed for Marley, so they go through to yes, the quarterfinal stages, which take place this weekend. Yeah, like, if we're just summarising the tournament, Gambia and Equatorial Guinea have been the surprises. Mm. Pretty much, I don't think Gambia had qualified for like nineteen years before I saw. Mm. Yeah, but the expectation is that either Cameroon are winning it as host or it's going to be Egypt yeah um, so a look at the quarterfinals that we've got we've got Gambia versus Cameroon first up on Saturday then we have Burkina Faso versus Tunisia and then the games on the Sunday Egypt versus Morocco which is going to be an absolute battle and absolute menace do you think we were harsh on Morocco in the last podcast because we were like oh how did they not pick Ziyech well it turns out they just don't need him when you've got Akraf Hakimi taking free kicks yeah uh, and then the final game is Senegal versus Equatorial Guinea but yeah uh, briefly back on Morocco I think we have been a little harsh on them um, I mean the Akibi's just come out like, for this for this tournament really yeah it's... we all knew he was good like before obviously this man has come out to be unreal now yeah it's absolutely uh, crazy how well he's, he's got done. the Mbappe seal of approval I mean that's not hard considering they're fucking teammates so Yes, yeah, so you were hoping it was a seal of approval like beforehand as well. And he didn't just feel like that in the moment. It was like an initiation, like score free kick, and maybe I'll let you in the the circle. Yeah, <laughs> she's a a little harsh. It would explain loads at PSG. Well, yeah, I mean, let's not. We already know about that drama show there, so uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting final few uh, games in the African Cup of Nations as we get ready to end the tournament not this Sunday but next Sunday yeah and we'll cover well we'll talk about that definitely mm-hmm. uh, right is that all the talking points this week yeah it is and still we've managed to get to the same regular podcast time I don't know how we've done that no I don't either but uh, we can't complain that it's a combination of your waffling and my absolute intellectual opinions I never waffle I speak nothing but Pure hard facts. Pure uh, hard facts. You signed Sano Rafael Benitez. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go down that route of doing impressions or accents, for God's sake. Uh, right, we'll be I mean, back, like we Spanish. said. <laughs> Thanks. Didn't need to know that. <laughs> uh, Just for right, context, we'll... I... <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Um... Right, make sure, like I said at the start, you like and subscribe and are following us on Twitter and we'll be doing our Going Into Extra Time podcast, like we said, uh, on Monday to review the transfer window 
and uh, have a look on any of the deals that we may have missed out on in the world of football. But until then, it's goodbye from Brad. See ya. We'll see you soon.